Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. And we are underway in Austin, Texas. Kyle Busch again up to the gearbox and gone. Battle for second behind Kyle. Here is Alex Bowman stepping out of line. Stewart frees into the inside of Bush. They're three wide. Zane Smith makes it four wide. Goes to the inside of all three of them. Goes from fourth to first. Checkered flag in the air. Zane Smith wins at Circuit of the Americas. Down through this quarter-mile front stretch. Green flag is added up through the gearbox they go. Ross Chastain gets turned around from behind. A.J. Allmendinger picks up his first win of the season here at Circuit of the Americas. 250 main Supercross back in Seattle. Here we go, here we go. Oh, down goes Craig. Here we go, here we go. It's on for the lead. New race leader, Hunter Lawrence. And after being on the ground, championship leader up to second. That's three times now I get cleaned out. And the Lawrence wins Seattle. Shimoda is all over Mosman for third. Oh, 450 main. Tomac's going to get the whole shot. Oh, Barsha's down. Oh, lands off track. Justin Barsha falls from second. Then he says thanks to this very boisterous crowd. Tomac gets five in a row and wins in Seattle. Down the main straight. Charles Leclerc can't cover him off. Verstappen takes the lead. Such a close battle once again, and this time around, it's Max Verstappen that wins out. He takes victory in the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. The big crowd here at Coda. Not a single person has left. They are now climbing to their feet. They're already five wide, coming up the hill. Both Ross Chastain to P1. Allmendinger can pounce. He moves Chastain to the outside. Now Chastain right on the back bumper of AJ Allmendinger. Alex Bowman stays way outside of them too. Allmendinger gets into Alex Bowman. Ross Chastain is going to get his first NASCAR Cup Series win. Oh, it's Brandon. Oh, my God. What a crazy weekend in the world of motorsports. Hi, everyone. Welcome to NASCAR America. Motor Mouse, Marty Snyder, the Mayor Jeff Burton, the Professor Nate Ryan on a show where no one will get slapped today. I promise that no one. You got, you got that or not? I'm from, not promising that. From, oh, okay. Yeah, you're not promising that. After a crazy weekend of Nate's racing, mad. I can see why you wouldn't. Yes, Nate can go crazy on us, can't he? Uh, Trackhouse Racing, the big win. Ross Chastain gets to victory lane. First ever win for him in the Cup Series. So much to talk about and unpack from this weekend. Of course, we want to hear from you guys as well. 844-NASCAR-NBC. First win for Chastain from Trackhouse, obviously, coming up in three minutes. Justin Marks will join us here, the owner of Trackhouse Racing. A little bit later in the show, our buddy Parker Kligerman will join us after a double-duty day on Saturday. So before we get to Justin here in just moments, I want to get your guys' thoughts 
on Coda. Mayor, we'll start with you. What do you what were your what was your take on how the race finished in the Cup Series side? What do you expect, man? It's road course, late race caution. I don't know why anybody was surprised that there was some rubbing and bumping and wrecking. It seems to be uh, what I've watched for over 30 years on road course racing <laughs> when there's a late race restart. So I think we got what we expected. We did. And I would say that even though it's not the most artful of NASCAR racing, when you have road courses and when you have Circuit of the Americas, which is its own unique beast, and have them go five wide going up the hill in the turn one every time, like Jeff said, you're going to have mayhem, chaos, but that's uh, entertaining. And I think we're all entertained by the last lap of yesterday's race. I think there's a lot certainly to talk about from the end of that race, no doubt about it, and whether or not it was the right move or the wrong move. But we're going to talk to Justin Marks right now, who is the owner of Trackhouse Racing. They finally get their first Cup Series win. Justin joins us right now here on NASCAR America Motormouse. Congratulations. I got to walk us through that final lap. You're in the lead. You're not in the lead, Justin. And then you wind up winning the race. How are the nerves on that final lap? Well, I mean, it's uh, your heart's pounding for sure. But, but I mean, I've, I've been around enough of these races and around this game long enough to know that, you know, green-white checkers or, you know, quick quick finishes like that at short tracks and road courses kind of, I mean, it's it's all on the table. Anything can happen. It's not over till it's over. So, you know, for us, like if you if you watch the last, you know, the last lap, the last couple corners, you know, Ross drove away from those guys at the end, and then uh, he was real conservative getting into um, getting into that corner at the end of the straightaway, and kind of invited AJ and Alex back to the party there, and then sort of all bets were off. And at that point, it just sort of is, you know, who wants it the most? And uh, you know, Ross had a very, really, really fast car, and I think he just refused to lose that race. And um, you know, these things always get physical at the end, as you guys know. And um, and Trackhouse came out on top, and it's nerve-wracking, but it, you know, we, we couldn't really take a breath until he came onto the front straightaway and got through those gears. Hey, it was a great finish, Justin, but it was also a great start for Trackhouse Racing. Daniel Suarez dominated stage one. I think Trackhouse Chevrolets led two-thirds of the race, if my math is right. Uh, did it feel like it was just a culmination of everything that had been building through the first five races of the 2022 season for Trackhouse for you, Justin, where you had your two drivers? I mean, Grant, only one gets the win, but they really put on a show on, on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just continuously very, very proud of everybody at this company for how they're preparing these race cars and how, how we're preparing for the races and, and, you know, what we're bringing to the racetrack. Um, and it was, uh, you know, it, it was the execution was just so good and the preparation was just so good this weekend. I mean, I, I believe, you know, that Daniel really in the 99 car was, was just about the fastest car in the race and went, you know, was able to get by Blaney quickly and go kind of straight into race management mode um, and just had a heartbreaking uh, misfortune with the power steering going out, putting on a heroic drive to finish the race without power steering. Um, and then, you know, came to victory lane and celebrated with Ross. But I mean, to go, to go back to your question, it's, it's, we're just, we're just clicking. We've got a really good approach to this race car. Everybody's uh, very motivated, very positive, um, ready to react to any kind of adversity that comes our way. Uh, and just recognizing that we've got a tremendous opportunity in a sport that we all love at a very transitional time in the sport. And we're just working very hard to identify, you know, where all the opportunities are uh, that we can find speed and execute well and get wins for this race team. Hey, Justin, first of all, uh, congratulations, man. I, I, it is a huge deal. I hope you take a few moments to really, I mean, seriously, like it's a huge deal to win a cup race. I hope you give yourself a few moments to enjoy it uh, because it is, it's massive. And, and it's come because, in my opinion, the leadership you've provided and 
You, you have your drivers believing they're the best drivers in the world. You have your crew chiefs believing they're the best crew chiefs in the world. How are you making that happen? Mm. Well, thank you for saying that, Jeff. I mean, I, I, I continue to operate with a lot of humility because, you know, this, this is a sport that I, I love. My, 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 my father took me to the Daytona 500 in 1996, and I got to stand on top of the Stavola Brothers hauler, and I got to go to, I got to, go to Ruby Tuesday with Hut Strickland across the street. And, and, I, and that, was, that was a big, uh, you know, it was a big weekend for me. But, I mean, that's when the seeds get planted of just being so passionate about this sport. I love this sport. I love this sport. And um, and I've got a tremendous opportunity in my life to um, to try to do something big in it. And, you know, for me, it's it's I'm a fan of sports. Um, I think also, you know, as being a driver myself, I, I know the difference between feeling like you're appreciated and that you're a real asset to a company and feeling like, you know, in a way that you're consumable and you're just a clog in the chain. And, and it's a big difference and it works on your psyche and it affects how you approach your work and your preparation and your enthusiasm. And so, you know, I'm just leaning on, on 20 years of experience in this business. And what I've realized is that, you know, especially with this car, that um, we can be very successful if we cultivate a group of people that are motivated and empowered and supported from the top of, of the company. And that's my mission is to just give everybody the best opportunity that they can to do the best work. And it comes, you know, it's, it's, it just comes from having a relationship with everybody in the company and shaking their hand and looking them in the eyes and tell them, um, you know, that they're, that they're appreciated and that every bit of work that they're doing for this company is, is putting us in a position uh, to challenge the incumbents in the sport and, you know, doing it with passion. And, and, um, and I just, I love it. I just, I love what I do. And I think that comes through. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's where we're at, right? It's just, it's like, look, you know, we've got the established teams in this sport that have won races and won championships for decades, but this is a moment in time to come in and put a flag in the ground and to start building the framework of what the next couple of decades look like. And everybody in this building uh, feels like uh, that they're a part of a team that's going to do that. You know, the best part of that answer, Justin, is that Jeff's just happy you got his guys, the Stavola brothers, on the show. <laughs> yes. yeah. And a Hut Strickland yeah. reference all in one. How about that? They got That's rid a- of me to get Hut Strickland. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't bring up that part. I, I brought up the good part about them. So, you know, a lot of, you know, I, I would argue you probably didn't expect this level of performance this early in the season, Justin. And people are calling you guys the surprise of 2022. Is that a fair label for track house racing this year, Justin? Well, I mean, I think it's certainly surprising to uh, to the people that follow the sport, just because it hasn't happened very often uh, in you know at this level where a new enterprise has come in and, and sort of challenged these these big teams in a way that that Trackhouse has. Um, it you know it, it's it's not. I, I struggle saying that it's not surprising um, be, be, because there, there's there's you know again I'm humbled to be in this in this position. There's so much talent around us with these teams and drivers and everything. Um, but I just think it's it's a belief in, in what's possible with this car and what's possible in bringing a new attitude to uh, to a company and to a workforce. And, you know, in a way, it's 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 the car and the opportunity sort of delivering in what NASCAR's vision was um, around this. So, you know, I I if I didn't think that this was possible, I would not have embarked on this journey. Um, but, you know, in a way, it's it's um, maybe I, Maybe I didn't think it would happen this quickly, um, but I know why it's happening. But I know why it's happening. Justin, you're described often as visionary, out of the box thinker. 
And I'm struck by the fact that this year, Ross Chastain has been talking a lot more about the mental side of his game and the mentality. We've heard him talking about using neutral thoughts to try to get not too high, not too low. And I'm wondering, it, it sounds a lot about what I often hear from you, kind of echoing like what you talk about when you talk about the psyche of the race team, of the driver. Um, how have you been impressed by Ross's maturation, his development this year, and what sort of influence or impact have you had on that? Uh, that's a great question. I mean, I've known Ross for a long time. I've known Ross since really like the day he he, he came up and and uh, and got involved in this sport. And I've I've you know to know Ross is to is to truly be a believer in his talent. And and you know I've I've seen I've seen enough in him over the years to really have conviction about saying that this is a guy that is a championship caliber talent for sure. But this is a guy that's had a rough path. I mean, this is a guy that's had the rug swept out from underneath of him a couple times. A guy that's had had to fight for his life a few times in rides um, and just waiting for that right opportunity. And I just felt like if if I could give him that right opportunity and and be a boss but be a friend and listen uh, and and be there for him, that he could do what I think – a lot of us think he's capable of doing, which is what you're seeing right now. He's got an average finish of second in the last month, which is pretty amazing. Um, and, you know, for a guy like that, he just, he just needs the confidence and he needs a team behind him. He needs, um, he needs a boss and a team around him. Look him in the eye and say, this is your team. We're here for you. We're here to do everything for you. You're the guy. Um, and I think giving him that opportunity and letting him take a little bit of a breath, have a little bit of job security and embrace that role. I think you're seeing the result of it right now. Justin, you got another partner in this in Pitbull. And uh, how did that conversation go post-race? He said he was going to smash a watermelon over his head and take a shot or drink some champagne or something like that. But I, I, uh, I, talked, to him. I talked to him on the phone in Victory Lane. He's, he's pretty jacked up. He's excited about it. Hates that he wasn't here to, to see it. But, um, you know, he'll make the five or six races this year. Um, but, you know, he's, he's, he's along for the ride just, just kind of like, like we all are. And um, it's just, you know, whether it's him or Ross or – you know, you know, everybody here at the shop that doesn't travel, um, just to see the excitement on their on their faces and, and just to be excited about being a part of something like this. Uh, it's incredibly empowering and it just feeds the momentum that we've got. But but, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's nice to have the support of a of a Cuban down in South Florida who's watching NASCAR races now. <laughs> Yeah, I'm certainly he is uh, he is into it, no doubt about it. There's a tweet from him after the race. Uh, our buddy Marvin Blue is on the line. Justin, he has a question for you, real quick. Go ahead, Marvin. You're on with Justin Marks. Congratulations, buddy, on a huge victory at the Circuit of the Americas. Thank you, Marvin. So, Justin, I got to ask you: You tried winning on the super speedways, the intermediate tracks, and the short tracks, but I got to know. What's it like to finally get a win, but on a road course nonetheless, with your buddy uh, Ross Chastain and everybody at Trackhouse Racing? Yeah, <laughs> thank, thank you. Thank <laughs> Marvin's you. excited. Yeah, I, that's about that's about how it feels, Martin. Um, I, you know, we um, it's actually it's actually really really cool because obviously my you know my history most of my history of racing has been on road courses, and I've got a passion for road course racing and I've done a lot of it in my career and been successful at it. And you know, when I first started showing up on the Xfinity Series road racing, um, you know, Ross was was racing for Johnny Davis and was running around 17th, 18th every weekend and and uh, couldn't figure out how to road race. And he came to me almost every, after almost every practice session and, and asked me how, uh, you know, how to get through this corner, how to do this, how to do that. And, and, 
you know, I, I, I feel like I played a part in developing his his uh, his his talent and his ability on road courses. So it's 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 actually kind of fitting and, and a really cool sort of motorsport story that he delivered the first win on a road course for me and then uh, for himself and kind of how our our relationship trajectory has gone. Um, yeah, that's really cool. And it was definitely not lost on me at the end of the race. I'll never forget the time. It started raining at Watkins Glen. Kyle Larson was driving for Ganassi, and they actually called you. You were on a mountain somewhere, and they called you to give you uh, to give pointers to Kyle over the phone via the radio. Remember that? I, I was uh, I was at, actually at an IMSA race in Road America, and we were uh, <laughs> we had just come back. We had just come back from practice, uh, practice session. I was racing. Uh, for for uh, Michael Shank up there and and I know that the Xfinity race was going on and I heard that it was about to start raining so I was trying to get through debriefs quickly so I could turn the TV on and watch and my phone started ringing it was Mike Shiplett his crew chief and I'm I'm staring at the phone thinking what why is my phone ringing and I answered he goes I'm on the pit box and I'm putting you on with Kyle and uh, about five <laughs> seconds later I was I was he was he was under caution and it was raining and uh, and I was talking him around the racetrack the rain line what curbs to stay off of what paint to stay away from and that was that was a very cool moment. It was a pretty crazy moment. I remember that. Hey, real quick, you know, when you win like this, Justin, it, it kind of opens up the door to reset goals, right? So how wide does that berth now get? Do you start thinking, hey, not only playoffs, but championship four, or how far can we go with this? I can pretty honestly tell you that nothing is different today than it was last Monday, honestly. I mean, this we have so much more to learn about this race car. We're going short track racing now for the first time with it. Uh, we've got dirt in our future. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, for us, it's just it's about continuing the process of learning and really communicating with Ross and Daniel to just make sure that we give them the best opportunity possible. Um, we're just not in a position yet, you know, regardless of winning uh, yesterday to change the board, so to speak. Right. I mean, it's just it's continuing to invest in the process and the people and learning this car and and. Um, and I think we're all excited about going to Richmond and Martinsville and, and, and you know, attacking the short track um, challenge head on. Um, this company right now and, and for the rest of this week will just be all about Richmond and, uh, and nothing more than that. Next week will be Martinsville and after that will be the dirt and on and on. Um, so I don't think that that's a question that we really will ask ourselves or answer, you know, until, until um, you know, at least, you know, the end of this race season, you know, get through the first year with this car and learn it. Um, see where we end up. Fight every week. Um, you know, maybe that's a, maybe that conversation we can, will sound a little different after the first couple of races of the playoffs. Um, but for right now, we're just focusing on on what's gotten us here, and that's and that's just you know learning this car, committing to each other, doing the work, the preparation, and the strategy and the execution. All right, Justin. Well, congratulations to you and all the men and women at Trackhouse Racing. Great job, and that first win savored a little bit this week. Okay, it does feel good. It does feel good. All right, Justin Mark joining us here on NASCAR America Motor Mouse. Always good to talk to him. I always feel, you know, motivated when I talk to him. So certainly has a different perspective on things, and congratulations to those guys, no doubt about it. Hey, certainly a lot to talk about after the Coda race. We'll hear from the drivers when we come back here on NASCAR America Motor Mouse as we go through the field. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. I was hard on myself yesterday. I was not happy with where I put ourselves, the setup that I made for us. 
It was hard to drive. I had to drive in a certain way. My wife, because she's got to put up with my whining every night about how bad I'm not, you know, I suck. So all these men and women here at Cog Racing, between the cup side of it and the Xfinity side of it, they don't sleep during the week. They're busting their tails. That's why I'm so freaking hard on myself sometimes, because they deserve to win more than anybody here. And I just want to do it for them. So thankfully, we got one done today. I guess I guess AJ was just a little bit better than I was, because um, I felt like we had a really good car. There was certain spots that I thought he was a little better than us, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it just shows that we can, we can run with AJ. He was just doing some things a little bit better than I was inside the cockpit. So we'll go back, debrief, and, and look it over and, and just see where I can be better as a driver on these road courses. Fortunately, when you're a little bit loose, you know, a little bit of a bumper here and there really gets you out of shape. And, uh, yeah, just didn't really didn't, didn't have the confidence to really make the moves that I was needing to there. It sucks to not, not get, it, get it done. I just try to run clean, and that's, you know, like... People can think what they want. Like, obviously, incident with the 11 at Martinsville and the end of the truck race yesterday. But like, genuine, like generally, I race people too clean for the most part. And um, you know, the end of the race, I didn't run into anybody and just tried to take advantage of two guys running into each other, and it didn't work out for me. So I'm not mad. And I understand the 16 being mad. And I understand the one doing what he did. But we put on a hell of a show for the fans. And at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. Go up against some of the best with AJ. I mean, I know he's going to be upset with me, but we race hard, both of us, and he owes me one. But when it comes to a cup win, man, I can't I can't let that go down without a fight. I mean, at the end of the day, we, we all got to look at ourselves in the mirror. And if you're okay with it, you're okay with it. Each person's different. So I was doing everything I could to, uh, to try to sweep the weekend for him. Uh, we were that close. So, you know, like I said, at the end of the day, each person's got to make the move that they're comfortable with, and uh, that's fine. Boy, a lot to unpack there from the weekend at Coda. AJ obviously winning Xfinity on Saturday and then being on the losing end of things on Sunday. Let's grab a quick phone call. Dylan is on the line. Dylan, what's on your mind? Hey, guys. Um, we had a wild finish yesterday um, with Josh Chastain winning and A.J. Allmendinger springing on the final lap. What was your thoughts on the finish? Jeff, I'll start with you, your thoughts on the finish. And, and maybe, you know, to kind of, you know, amplify what Dylan said there, how about the way Ross won the race? Well, first of all, Ross needs to learn you can't take it easy in a braking zone or a road course, even though you're coming to the checker. Like, he opened the door. He needed mm. to stay aggressive through turn 11, into turn 12, the race was over, and all of a sudden, A.J.'s back to him, and that's something that you can't be afraid to make a mistake. You didn't get there by being afraid. Don't be afraid coming to get the white flag when these guys are coming behind you. So Ross kind of opened the door to let him get there. Uh, you, heard, you just heard um, he got a little too passive. He wasn't aggressive there, and that started this. Then in my eyes, look, I don't blame anybody for doing any. AJ got into him first, moved him out of the way, and then Ross says, hey, look, you move me out of the way, I'm going to move you out of the way. I'm sure AJ doesn't see it like that because when he moved Ross out of the way, Ross was still running. When AJ got moved out of the way, he was no longer running. <laughs> right. So I'm sure that is the, the, the level of uh, frustration coming from AJ. But listen, if you get moved out of the way, in my eyes, that's giving you a permission slip to move that guy back out of the I way. Mean, I'm just impressed that Ross knows how to play 3,500-pound croquet <laughs> on a road course, that he could, like, expertly right. knock Alex... Um, uh, he could expertly knock A.J. Allmendinger into Alex Bowman 
and then have Bowman go off the course. I mean, he basically cleared a path for himself uh, to get to victory lane. So I know that Ross Chastain said later that's not the way he drew it up, but that's the way he had to do it to get a win. I think it just worked out for him. I think the big question, Jeff, is, you know, repercussions-wise, we know Ross Chastain is a hard racer, and this isn't necessarily going to make guys race him differently because he took somebody out on the last lap to win a race, right? I don't. I just don't see it at all like that. I yeah. think that I think that Ross is an aggressive race car driver, and but I also know that Ross worked really hard last year of learning how to race these guys for 500 laps or long races. He put a lot of effort into that, and I think that that work that he did, I think drivers appreciate that. If I'm a driver and I'm watching that whole exchange. I'm not mad at Ross Chastain thinking, okay, that guy right there, he's going to move me out of the way no matter what. He got moved out of the way first. I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I, you know, it's it, this right here started it. I don't blame AJ. I'm not saying AJ did anything wrong, but he gave a permission slip to be knocked out of the way. When you move somebody out of the way and there's laps left or there's corners left, guess what? You're probably going to get moved out of the way, and that's exactly what happened. What did you say earlier today? Don't don't complain when you get a bloody nose when you're the one who started the fight. That's pretty much where I stand. Like, be careful what you say. Be careful what you do. The other side of that, though, would be A.J. Elmendinger wasn't too happy with Ross. The previous restart where he felt like Ross squeezed him all the way out almost into the, the turn one wall uh, on the way up the hill. So, fair, fair. And, yeah. and But... Ross doesn't care. Right. right. Only thing he knows is he's leading right. the race and he got moved out of the way. Right. So, so let me ask it this way. Have the rules of engagement changed in the win and you're in playoff era, Jeff? Yes. That it's okay to move someone or even wreck someone for a win now? Yes. It, but, but, but it was okay a long time ago, too. I mean, I, I, we, Nate and I were talking on his podcast earlier, and I remember going to Sonoma knowing that if we got a late race caution – we were going to have a restart, and it was going to be ugly. And it was going to we. I remember saying publicly, "It's embarrassing to be a Cup driver acting the way we act at Sonoma," and that was in the early 2000s, mid you know mid 2000s. So it's nothing new. Late race restarts at restrictive late races and road courses, chaos ensues. Yeah, I mean nothing to me has changed. I know that this was a topic of debate on social media last night. Denny Hamlin posited that, hey, in 2017. This wasn't okay, but now it's okay. I, to me, it feels like since the playoffs started, the rules of engagement have changed. And maybe they're a little bit different now because you have a younger generation of drivers that has a different skill set and a different way that they were trained to race through bandoleros or dirt racing that's different than maybe the way Denny Hamlin was trained or the way Jeff Burton was trained. That, to me, is what's different. It's the ethics and how they're applied and executed. It's not the fact that guys have always said, hey, I'm going to knock somebody out of the way if it means getting a win, and now if it means getting a playoff berth. I, 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 I raced against guys like Wayne Patterson and Barry Beverly and people like that, <laughs> people that weren't fortunate yep. enough to you – know, and they'd move you out of the way, and that was in the 80s. I mean, that think about short track racing in the 80s. What was great about the late model sportsman series? Those, those, that high contact move you out of the way. It's not new. The only thing that's different is the reward is bigger, right? So when they, ta- when they say to you, if you win a race, you're in the playoffs, you have a chance to win the championship, that tests your values, that tests your morals. And everybody on pit road that came with you is wanting you to do it. 
is wanting you to win that race. <laughs> and if you do, you they know, you know they got your back. But the rest of the garage area doesn't want you to do it. No. And, and you have a bit of a wide berth for that first win, but I, I disagree with you. I think people now race him differently moving forward. I don't I just what did he do wrong? I don't know that he did anything, but he is a there's no doubt, Nate, he's a lightning rod. It seems I, well, this seems it, to follow him around. I think they would race him differently if it wasn't accepted that this is his modus operandi for how he races people. And so I think that this is an accepted part of doing business when you get race against Ross Chastain. I don't think it changes, you know, to Jeff's point. I, did, did anyone think that he wasn't going to try to take out A.J. Allmendinger <laughs> no. after Allmendinger knocked him aside? No. I mean, that's, that's I mean, Bowman talked Chastain's about that. Play, he said, I knew right. they were going to wreck each other. I just right. didn't know how and where. Right, right. So I don't I don't think that there'll be severe repercussions. For, it might have been different if, I mean, if it was Mark Martin and he did that, and everybody's like, oh, my gosh, now we got to change the way we think about how we're going to race Mark Martin, but not Ross Chastain. So that I guess that's my point, is that what would – so if Mark Martin got moved out of the way, what does he do? Why wouldn't he move someone else out of the way? Because he, he wouldn't have started the fight. Right. I mean, but Mark Martin came up in an era without, to your point about the reward is much bigger. There were no playoff berths coming up uh, through Mark Martin's well, and, racing and, career. And, and Mark has said publicly he would not have been successful in this. I want to take the other I side of this, Jeff, by the way. <laughs> He's pretty good. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say so. Uh, put all that aside, all right? Whatever you think of Ross Chastain, Okay. Here's a guy who, and, and Justin brought it up a moment ago, he didn't have a ton of money. He came in, he took start and park rides. This is a perfect example, in my opinion, of a guy who never gave up and hung around the rim and found a way to make it happen. you got to give him credit for that. Here he is now, Cup Series winner. Look at the pictures of that finish. Yeah. All three of them. Yeah, sure. Great point. You know what I mean? You, you, you know, the... The, the, the comments I hear about, well, these cup drivers, they just got a bunch of money. It, let me tell you something. <laughs> these guys have all looked, looked down to the end of the barrel of their career being over. They, it's hard. It's mm-hmm. difficult. And it makes you harder. It makes you tougher. And, and all of those things have made Ross Chastain better. Some people that doesn't work for. Some people it takes them down. But he's used that as motivation. Has he made mistakes along the way? Yes. I watched him race a lot of races, and there's times I watched him race in the past, and I said, man, if I was racing against him, it, it would have been a problem. <laughs> but <laughs> I honestly feel like that he made a, has made a concerted effort in the last 12, 14 months to race people more cleanly because he knows that he has to race these long races. It's a long year. He's made a concerted effort to do that. I know that. I watch him race. I've talked to him about it. Then on top of that, I just, I just, I can't, if, if Jimmy Spencer was on the racetrack and somebody wrecked, it was his fault. He could be nowhere near it. <laughs> and we can't, that's not fair to right. Ross Jastain. Like, he did nothing wrong in this situation, in my opinion. He picks and chooses his battles. A lot, it's, it feels to me like a lot more now than he did in the early parts of his career. And that was the point of my question to Justin Marks. Ross Chastain has talked a lot this year about avoiding negativity, focusing on neutral thoughts, as he calls them. And it seems like, you know, to his credit, give him a ton of credit, he's been able to meld that talent with the right mentality and the right mental framework to be a really successful cup driver. Yeah, even that wreck that we just showed uh, on, on replay where he got into the back of Kyle Busch at Phoenix, mm-hmm. right? Kyle was having an issue. I mean, Kyle was up in the wall. Like he was, it wasn't like Ross just ran over top of him, but because it was Ross, we went, see, he wrecked him. Mm. You have to look it's at each unfair, individual unfair situation look at that, right. yep. as what it is. 
Um, so Justin avoided the question, Nate, but could this be a championship four team? I mean, they've had three, four straight finishes of, of third or better. It's early. I mean, it is early. We're, we're six races But I didn't expect this. No, I didn't either. Or this, mean, t- this team, fair to say, could make a much deeper run than anybody thought. Well, and, again, if you look at the way Suarez ran the first stage at Circuit of the Americas, I mean, Justin Marks just told us he thought Daniel Suarez had the fastest car. And so, again, like, we're less than two months into the Cup season, but if you're talking about, like, which teams are the, are the best right now in Cup, I mean, it's Hendrick Motorsports and Trackhouse Racing, right? Hands down. Crazy that we're saying that. I agree. We're six races in, but a conversation from the category of conversations I never thought we would have. Here we are having that conversation. Let's go real quick to Aaron on the line. Aaron, what's on your mind? Hey guys, how's it going? Good. What's happening? Well, uh, I just wanted to hear you guys. Is uh, uh, I appreciate all the uh, all the comments that you're doing and uh, great insight. Uh, just wondering, uh, uh, now that Ross Chastain has his uh, first uh, win out of the way, uh, uh, number one, how, how many do you think he can, uh, how many more wins do you think he can get? And number two, uh, uh, do you think we'll have a, a third first-time winner this, this, uh, this week at uh, Richmond? Cool. Appreciate the question, Aaron. So, Jeff, I'll let you, you know, floodgate open. Sometimes the wins tend to follow. Well, what, what I like about what Ross Chastain and Trackhouse with Daniel Suarez, and you said it a minute ago, they've been a contender. Justin Marks has said over the last month he has an average finish of two. That's crazy. Yeah. That means that you're putting yourself in position to win races, and that's how you win races. That's how you win multiple races. Rarely does a guy win multiple races in a year by having things just go his way. You do it by having speed, and Trackhouse Racing has speed. And now Ross Chastain can race a little lighter. A little less pressure. He's in the playoffs. Yeah. And I think that that could benefit him, but he has to stay restrained. He cannot go back to Ross Chastain from two years ago. And to answer Aaron's other question, first-time winners, Ross Ross Chastain is the third one this year after Chase Briscoe, Austin Sindrick. You still got Tyler Reddick lurking out yeah. there. I don't know what his average finishing <laughs> position is, but his average running position has to be like in the way in the top five this right. year, it seems like. And you still got Daniel Suarez out there. So I think for sure we will see another first-time winner this year. When we come back, more of your phone calls. We'll also talk a little Xfinity with our buddy Parker Kligerman, who pulled double duty on Saturday. He picked a 90-degree day to do it in, but he did double duty this weekend. There's Parker, all sleeped up and ready to go. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Well, it wasn't a totally bad weekend for A.J. Allmendinger. He winds up winning the Xfinity Series race on Saturday, Nate, and a good run for a number of folks. Yeah, uh, good to see certainly Noah Gregson, Sam Mayer, Myatt Snyder also among it, Sheldon Creed um, up there, Ryan Segan, and our very own Parker Kligerman. Yeah, Parker, Parker wound up finishing 12th, so... Uh, it was, a, it was a wild race at times, Jeff, I would say. Road courses tend to do that. They tend to have some wild races. <laughs> With six wide restarts, including our buddy Parker Kligerman, who, was, uh, who picked a 90-degree day to do doubleheader work. So I'm, I'm, tell me you slept in a little bit on Sunday, Parker. 
I did. I don't know if I've ever been that sore in my entire life after driving. I actually <laughs> cramped up in the Xfinity car for the first time. And I added it up, guys. I did like five hours in uh, between the truck and the Xfinity car on Saturday. So I don't know who I think I am to have shown up and do that and, you know, go out there and do it a 90-degree day. Um but made it through. I felt it was overall a successful day. I think in the truck, we had a, a serious shot to win that race, uh, or at least be top three. And then, as you guys pointed out earlier in the show, road course racing these days in stock cars, uh, if you get some late race cautions, you know, all hell breaks loose. And uh, we were running out of fuel a little bit at the end, and I thought we could have been positioned to, um, you know, maybe sap up the win. But unfortunately, we ran out of fuel, and then we got taken out down to turn 12. So that one went away, but the Xfinity car, that team did a great job, you know, thanks to uh, Joey Gase and Patrick Emling for the opportunity. I felt like we uh, we had an awesome time in that car, and it was, uh, <clears throat> barring some braking issues late in the race, I think we could have gotten them a top 10, maybe even a top 5, but it was a fun day to get back to the Xfinity Series. Parker, when we had A.J. Elmendinger on here last week, uh, Kyle asked him about switching back and forth between Xfinity and Cup, and I know, Grant, that's much different in terms of how different the cars are in each of those series. But what's it like going trucks to Xfinity? I mean, I know they don't drive exactly the same. I mean, you have to, like, turn your brain off, rotate around 180 <laughs> degrees when you get in each vehicle. Like, how, how do you manage that? Well, it's a great question. I was wondering the same thing uh, going into driving the Xfinity <laughs> car. So I, I just figured it out on the fly. I actually think it was a huge advantage, though, because the, you know, we get so little practice with this format that – you, you know, having just done a couple laps in the truck and then went and qualified it and then hopping directly in the Xfinity car was really helpful just, you know, to just be ahead of some people, I think, you know, in terms of learning or just knowing the track right then that weekend. So I felt like that was sort of aided me in qualifying where we got that, you know, the 35 car to the 11th, just missed the second round, made it to the second round in the truck. Um, but also, you know, one of the things that going in this weekend for myself is just, looking back at last year at coda i didn't feel like i was content with how i performed at coda last year um and so the, the last two weeks i've worked really hard on you know using the sim on iRacing, watching video all those things you do so it was actually like really gratifying to show up on friday and be fast in the truck be fast in any car and, and it was one of those like personal um goals achieved or boxes ticked being like okay all that stuff I've done for the last two weeks worked, so that was very helpful. But the the biggest thing between the two is that the truck you can break about a full braking marker later at about every corner uh, hmm. than the Xfinity car, so you can just go far deeper in the corners, which is a lot of fun. Hey, Spark, I got two questions for you. I don't I don't know the answer for either one of them. The first one is explain what makes a good road racer versus an oval track racer because i could not do the road course thing. <laughs> <laughs> so i think when you look at uh you know aj Almdinger, who's been a friend of mine for a long time and we grew up sim racing together and he was like an idol of mine from the open wheel world and watching him go into the stock car world and be as dominant as he is when you look at what he does so well it, it's maximizing the brakes and jeff you pointed out late in that last lap in the cup race he made up half a second into turn 12 on Ross Chastain. Now, maybe Ross broke a little early looking at his first cup win, but when you look at what AJ does in that 16 car, he finds a way to absolutely maximize the braking potential of these stock cars, which if you think about a stock car on a road course, 
it doesn't do anything correctly other than accelerate. So it doesn't break well, it doesn't turn well. All it does is go straight really fast. So you got to kind of find ways to maximize the things it's best at, and that's getting it to accelerate down the straightaways, and he does a great job of that. Um, and then at Coda, you have so many slow corners, it, you almost drive it like a short track at times. You let the thing roll, you just sort of you know try to keep up the minimum speed through the center, and uh, you kind of combine those two skill sets together, and that's how you go fast at Coda. And I think AJ is just one of the best at doing that, and that's why he's he's the uh, you know some drivers were texting me afterwards this weekend, being like he is you know he's the benchmark, and you see it each weekend that we go to road course. Why? And I think those are the things he does really well. All right. So the second question I'll have an answer for is that a piano in your house? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I can see. Uh, yeah, that's Shannon's, my girlfriend. She, I, I don't say, think she's ever played that two Can years. you play that? Yeah. Can you no, play No, I cannot. No, not at all. Okay. I've got no musical talent whatsoever. Yeah, no, I, I stick to just turning left and right, uh, and <laughs> mostly left, obviously. Uh, we would challenge you to go play it, but I have a feeling you don't even know how to turn it on. So that, it's uh, nice we got to start there. In. So. Oh, it's not no. plugged in. There you go. No. Uh, it's like your treadmill. It just yeah. sits there and holds, holds clothes. <laughs> Yeah, it's exactly. like a bicycle, you know, you get a bicycle, you never ride, right? Like that's, it's sitting there in the garage all the time. Like I'm going to ride that thing one day. You just watch me once, you know, just keep it there because I'm coming soon. Someday. Uh, Blake has a question for you. He's on the line. Blake, how you doing? You're on with Parker Kligerman. Hey, Parker. Uh, what's up, guys? Uh, I just wanted to throw a question out there kind of for the panel and then for Parker second. Uh, being able to see guys like Ross Chastain who – was racing for JD Motorsports, getting limited opportunities with Ganassi and being able to finally see that come to completion by winning in the Cup Series, seeing guys like Josh Berry succeed in the Xfinity Series or even uh, someone I know, Brad Perez, being able to make his first truck start. Do those type of opportunities kind of keep the dream alive, uh, even for somebody like you, Parker, who's kind of taking these deals and running part-time in a couple of different series uh, to maybe make it to the top levels and win? Appreciate it, Blake. Yeah, thanks. Um, I think that might be Blake McCandless there. So he's a good buddy of ours over there from the iRacing world. But I appreciate the question. You know, I think the story, of, and you point out, Jeff, of the three drivers at the end of that race, right? You have Ross Chastain, who, you know, wasn't starting park equipment at times. He just drove everything he possibly could to stay a part of the sport and then got the big break that he needed, right? And even when he got his big break one time, it was taken away. But he got it again. So I think that, you know, that's a really cool story. You have A.J. Almdinger, who, you know, maybe struggled in, in the stock car world for a long time and then found a home at College Racing and now has had almost a career resurgence when he, you know, was looking like he was going to come do TV of us for a while. And then Alex Bowman, I mean, I was his pseudo teammate back in 2013 Xfinity uh, between KBM and Rab Racing. And, you know, he and I were pretty close i felt like through the whole season and it, you know there was times we we found each other you know i learned things from him i think he learned things on the road course side for me that when i see him in that 48 car doing those things i'm like that's pretty awesome but um you know i think the 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 sort of the idea of like what i did this weekend you know when i got that call for the 35 maybe a couple years ago that's something that i don't even know if i would have taken you know just being so last minute that sort of thing but looking at guys like ross like Alex, like other guys have just jumped in things and been successful with it and been able to parlay that into bigger opportunities. I just felt like right now, you know, my stage in life, for every reason, I'm driving at a level that I feel like is some of the best driving I've done my entire life. 
Um, I think a lot of that has to do with perspective. Um, and so, you know, when this opportunity comes along now, I just, I don't want to say no. I just want to go drive and I want to go compete and see if I can, you know, take a smaller team and run up front like we do the 75 or like we did with the 35 this weekend. Um, and if the opportunity, you know, grows into something bigger, great. If it doesn't, uh, obviously I get this awesome chance to uh, work with you guys at NBC all the time, which keeps me a part of the sport. So I'm in a very cool position, but I, uh, I definitely do enjoy, you know, or starting to really enjoy just the idea of like, hey, if I just keep taking opportunities like this, if they show up, you never know where that can lead. Parker, let me ask you a hypothetical question here. So you, let's say you're a 20-year-old driver with good talent. You've won on the lower levels. You have money, and you want to move up to cup. Is it the standard answer of Penske, Gibbs, Hendrick, those are going to be the attractive ones? Or is Trackhouse Racing now starting to get on your radar with – Cool hip owners, unique marketing, and Justin Marks and Pitbull and what they're doing. Is that now maybe becoming an attractive destination for a, for a driver who's coming up and maybe has some money? No doubt. I think you got to be looking at, you know, any of these organizations that you we maybe three, four years ago thought, oh, mid-pack organization, you'll never win a race. You know, or if you win one race, you won't be a championship contender. But I look at them. I look at GMS, Petty, I mean, I look at even JTG, all these teams that, you know, maybe were smaller teams or teams that just couldn't compete with their powerhouse Hendricks and Penske's and Gibbs with this new car, NASCAR next-gen model. I mean, I don't understand how you can discount anyone, really. Like, you know, and when you look at where NASCAR is going and the diversity of the tracks and the difference that maybe a driver can make and then, a, you know, a place like Trackhouse for Justin Marks, he's a good friend of mine. I think he's done an incredible job with that organization, with the brand, you know, with the partners they've brought on board, the, the way they market themselves. They, they look fun. It looks exciting. It looks like a family. It's what you want to see out of a race team. And I think, you know, this is something that we've maybe been looking for the sport to have happen for a while. Um, and now it's occurring and it's really cool to see, but I, I don't think, you know, when I look across the board and cup, I look purely at maybe the top 28 cars and think, any one of those is a huge opportunity right now with the way this sport is headed. Um, and so, you know, if you're a young driver, you know, looking at trying to get up to the cup series, I think there's never been a better time in the sport to be a young driver, having the opportunity to go to cup. Certainly is even the playing field with a new car. So, Hey man, always good seeing you. Congratulations on a nice weekend. We'll see you soon. Okay, bud. Thanks guys. Have a great night. Thanks, get those piano lessons, buddy. Yeah, get on the piano. <laughs> let Shannon let you borrow the piano. Maybe you can uh, get a few lessons there. So I want to grab one phone call before we go to break. Let's hear from Carl. How you doing, Carl? Hey, good. Good to see you again, Marty. Let me help you out with what Hey, Ross Chastain, hey, move great. Just how it is. But also, before I get to my question, let's look at the fact, too, that AJ, no matter what driver, AJ's not running for points in the cup. So I think that kind of makes that decision a little bit better because he's just running for a trophy and I the points of win get you in. So that's my feeling on that. I thought that was great. But like I said, AJ, you're just trophy hunting in the cup. But my question is about track house racing. Obviously they have not been in the sport as long as Hendricks, Gibbs, and have some of the, cred the credibility and wins and championships are measured in this sport. But why do I just feel that they are really becoming one of the top tiers in NASCAR? And I was just wanting to know your thoughts on that. Well, look, first of all, Justin Marks was really smart to uh, acquire Ganassi, Chip Ganassi Racing, and he didn't have to start from zero. 
He acquired that, he, then he made the changes, he made it his, put his fingerprints on it, made the improvements he wanted to make, but there was a really good group of people there, Nate, already. And so, you know, that was a great move by him that let him get there quicker. And then this new car you guys just talked about, the opportunity that's been created by that. And I don't think we should discount, and I'm not taking away from Justin Marks and his team at all, but I, can't think, I don't think we should discount the investment that Chevrolet has made in their engineering support of the team. Certainly, yeah. With the consolidation of how they do engineering providing to all the Chevy teams, uh, that's a game changer. And the other manufacturers are going to have to answer what they've done because, hey, I don't know how you can say it's not working. And it certainly is something that Chevrolet is growing as well, and it's only going to get bigger as this season goes on and moving forward also. When we come back, more of your phone calls. We'll also discuss who will be the next first-time winner with the mayor and the professor as we come back. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Monster Energy Supercross made its much-awaited return to Seattle, and Moto fans here in the Pacific Northwest sure were happy about that, and they witnessed something special in this Seattle Supercross RC. That was Eli Tomac winning five in a row and notching up his 44th career win. Yeah, that's right. It's been a monumental season for Eli Tomac, climbing up the ladders and all-time wins. It's been a lot of fun to watch. Surely incredible. He had one here before, and he did it again. By the way... That 44th career win puts him level with Chad Reed for fourth all-time. He got the whole shot and didn't look back. Nope, a lot of the same. Red wire to wire, hard to do in Monster Energy Supercross, and man, this guy is on another level. Have a look at the rarefied air that Eli Tomac is in. He is surrounded by his heroes. This is a truly special year. The sport gets a weekend off and roars back into life in St. Louis, Missouri for a Triple Crown event. Man, Eli Tolmack, five in a row. And, and look at the riders and drivers in each series, Nate. What jumps out to me, Eli Tolmack with the most active wins of active, active riders in his case, at 29. Yeah. <laughs> That's young. And what jumps out to me, Marty, is that age. I and mean, Tomac a few years ago is being talked about as, will this be the best rider never to win a championship? He won the 2020 title. He's almost a lock, provided he stays healthy yeah. the rest of this season, to win his second championship. And now, as we just saw in that graphic, it's within striking distance of Ricky Carmichael and James Stewart. I don't know if he'll get to Jeremy McGrath, who is the Dale Earnhardt of Supercross, right. leading this all-time winner in Supercross history. But I mean, suddenly, Eli Tomac is really deserving of being considered one of the all-time greats. And I don't think three years ago a lot of people were going to say that. I think a lot of people thought it was going to be a lot of unfulfilled promise. And now he very much deserved to be on a list like this. I mean, five in a row. And, and 29 in the Supercross world kind of getting up there, Jeff. Yes. But in the Cup world, youth has certainly been served. And, and are we witnessing a transition with all these young guys winning this year, you think, Jeff? Well, listen, I, I think that they're young, but a lot of, they have a lot of experience, too. I mean, Austin Cindric, uh, you know, won the Daytona 500. We've seen 
you know, some unusual winners in the Daytona 500. I expected Austin Center to contend for wins on road courses pretty quickly. I didn't expect him to win an oval. I expect him to have a chance to win on some road courses. But then if you look, you know, Larson, we know how much experience at Alex Bowman. You start looking at William Byron. These guys have a lot of experience on top of being young. And you know what that is? That's return on investment. <laughs> right, right. That is right. an owner, you know, saying, hey, I want to get this guy when he's young, teach him the way I want to teach him, and then take advantage of the opportunity when he's where he needs to be. They know when they hire him young, they're going to have some bad days, some bad years, some bad weeks. You're going to have to pick them up. But when that turns, now you got a guy that can go race for 15 years for you they can go win races on a consistent basis. And no better example of that than Hendrick Motorsports. That's paid off handsomely for Rick Hendrick, who made that investment years and years ago. So who will be that next first-time winner? James, I think, has a guess. James, how are you doing this afternoon? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you guys doing right now? Good. What's going on? What's Um, on your mind? um, I just wanted to ask, like, what was your initial thought on uh, the the next-gen car's debut at uh, Coda on a road course for the first time this weekend. And I think my bold prediction for the next first-time murder would be Tyler Reddick. There you go. I don't think I can disagree with that, Nate. I don't think that would be a very (laughs) bold prediction, actually, James. I think that's what a lot of people would say. Uh, As far as next-gen debut on a road course, I was interested to see it, Jeff, because this was a car that a lot of people say is very much built on like a a GT-style sports car platform with the sequential shifting and the advanced braking and turning capabilities, but I, I don't feel like I saw a dramatically different race. I feel like road course races in Cup looked a lot like they seemed on Sunday. I, I think maybe the difference was, and we talked about this a little bit on the podcast, is we didn't see as many familiar faces. You know, where was Martin Truex Jr.? Um, Chase Elliott did finish top five, but he wasn't running up front and, and winning the way we see him do so often lately. Yeah, I mean, I... You know, they were going a lot faster than last year's car would have gone, but we don't know that as fans. Sure. Right? We're just looking for a race. I mean, and so everybody has better brakes. Everybody has better turning. So it doesn't, didn't really change uh, the race the way it changed the race at the other tracks. Uh, it, it didn't have as big of an impact. So that's, you know, that's, you know, when you give an advantage, you make one car better than last year's car and everybody gets it, then everybody has that advantage. But what shocked me was Ryan Blaney hits the wall in kind of middle-late practice yeah. and then goes out and gets the on the pole. Yeah. That's what excites me for the next two weeks at Richmond and Martinsville. If you can make that kind of contact with someone on the racetrack and keep going and it's not going to hurt your car, it's going to be insane the next two weeks at the short tracks. And the other thing is uh, there were some mechanical issues, but for a brand-new, completely clean-sheet paper to go put it to the stresses of road courses and have no more failures than we had, I think that's a good sign, too. Nate, are teams worried as we head into short track season here? I mean, we're all, oh, no, we're going to have enough cars and all of that. And it seems like all that talk's going to yeah, die down. Yeah, it feels down. like that narrative is sort of dissipated. And, you know, we've seen and heard a lot recently about, like, hey, we're bringing in our Daytona 500 car to the Bristol dirt race yeah. or something like that. You know, like to Marty's point about how the crash didn't really affect Ryan Blaney as much, I think that's indicative of how this car has really changed things in the garage where, you know, teams are just bringing the same cars to tracks that they wouldn't bring in the, in the past. So to that point, Jeff, you've been to every race real quick. What is that going to be like as we head into short track season? Are we going to see different players up front? You guys mentioned a moment ago we didn't see really Chase Elliott 
be one of the contenders for the win, or Martin Truex Jr.? Well, I think so, and part of the reason is we talked about experience a little while ago, but you know, no one has experience in this car at Richmond. So if you've been to Richmond in an Xfinity car or a truck or something, it's not that big of a disadvantage as it was in the past. And then Martinville on top of that, going to be fun over the next couple of weeks as we hit short track season. We'll be back here on Wednesday for more NASCAR America Motor Mouse. We'll see you guys then. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.